0: Big Beat Manifesto goes Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all encompassing philosophy. This is outrageous. This is contagious.
1: JLB Credit. Fuck
2: off, please. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the L Dude Brothers Podcast. This is episode 10 covering the episode Local Zero. My name is Lee. And I invented clubs, pills, lube, and hardcore.
3: And my name is Sean, and I invented the homeless, lepers, and oil spills. And actually, Lee, I think this episode is called Local Hero. Well, uh, that's what Hulu says. Uh, but I think everywhere else is called Local Zero. Well, I'm going off of what Hulu says because that's where I watched it. So I hope everybody enjoys the episode of Local Hero. Local Hero, even though it might not exist,
2: but it, either way, it aired originally on twenty sixth of November of two thousand four. And uh, in the meantime, uh, recording these episodes, we discovered the show Bruisers, which is pretty neat.
3: Yeah, it's a two thousand variety sketch comedy show. Uh, I was watching it the other day and was just laughing my ass off. Um, it has Olivia Coleman. David Mitchell, Robert Webb, Martin Freeman, which I was fucking shocked about. Um, Matthew Holness and Charlotte Hudson. Um, I watched probably ten episodes of it or so, and I wow. really, really enjoyed. Get out of my house, Touchy, and IT guy.
2: Yeah, I've I've only watched a little bit of it, but it looks like pretty much all of it is on YouTube. So you know we definitely recommend checking it out because it came out before Peep Show. It's kind of. Uh, it's it's sort of like Mitchell and Webb look, but not as uh, Mitchell and Webb centric.
3: If if anything, it's Martin Freeman centric.
2: Yeah, so it's definitely worth checking out kind of them because I was just shocked. Again, we mentioned it during season one, how young Mitchell and Webb look. But in this, it's like, wow, <laughs> I don't even know what to say.
3: Yeah, and Bruisers came out five years before uh, Peep Show. Yeah, so it's a uh, but, it, but it
2: is funny and I'm sure that most of our uk audience has already seen it but for those of uh, us in america that might not be aware of it definitely check it out
3: yeah i'm sure laura from london is like hello guys it's 2017 like get a clue here and did we confirm
2: is is her name actually laura from london like is that her last name i will
3: make sure and ask her that next week
2: okay because uh i'm just referring to her as laura from london and
3: uh sounds good Yeah, well, I don't know if she wants me broadcasting her last name across the entire internet. All right, internet. So her name is Laura from London, and uh,
2: we'll talk to her next week. Yeah. All right, so to kick off this episode, we start off with Jeremy and Nancy, who are in bed kind of spooning.
3: Yeah, they're post-coital. They're looking in a mirror, and so you can actually see both characters here without it breaking the POV.
2: Yeah, and Jeremy's trying to be really romantic and, you know, sensitive to Nancy, but, uh, This is one of those scenes where we're just going to have to go ahead and listen to it, so we'll go ahead and play it now.
0: God, you're great.
4: Thanks, Jez. You're great, too.
0: Sometimes I'd like to die and climb inside you. Okay. Was that too much? No. Go on, ask her. Nancy, I was wondering whether you'd consider being maybe my proper, you know, just you and me girlfriend?
4: Wow, wow, um, I don't know, I mean, that's that's really nice, Jeremy, but...
0: There's always a but.
4: Well, I mean, I mean, we're so different. I, I've got my religion, my yogurt size, my charity stuff. I just don't know where you'd fit in as a boyfriend.
0: But I really like you, and we have a great time together.
4: Well, I really like you too, and we do have a good time together, but...
0: That's the second but.
4: What about all the other stuff? Other stuff? Look... Obviously, God wanted us to enjoy ourselves. I mean, that's why he invented pills and clubs and lube and hardcore. But he also wanted us to give something back. And that's why he created the homeless, the lepers, and the oil spills.
0: God. Suck up to God. Nancy, listen. The only reason that I don't go to church is that, for me, everything's a church. This room is my church. The hall is my church. Costcutters is a bloody cathedral.
4: That's really nice, Jeremy. It's just not true, is it?
2: <laughs> Costcutters
3: oh, is a bloody cathedral.
2: <laughs> but it's not true, is it?
3: And I just yeah. love
2: the way that his eyes kind of dart back and forth.
3: He's looking around, he's like, This room is a cathedral. This hallway is a cathedral. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, it's really good. I mean, I uh, I enjoy this scene very much. Uh, but after that, we head to the JLB office where Mark is working late because apparently it's the end of the quarter sales push.
3: Yeah, and Mark's like, pulling an all-nighter, one of the few in my spitfire. And then he realizes, like, uh, who am I kidding? I probably would have crashed my plane in training during the phony war. <laughs> and of course mark being the world war ii buff that he is the phony war was a period of time starting roughly around september of 1939 to around may of 1940 where despite having declared war on the allies there wasn't really any major ground offensives so it was probably a lot of
2: training and stuff so but yeah i could totally
3: i could totally see mark doing this predominantly like naval battles and stuff like that. There was no, oh, gotcha. I mean, there were still battles going on. It just wasn't ground troops. Yeah. I could totally see Mark signing up to uh, fly a plane and just
2: marking it. I know <laughs> I know that a lot of people say jezzing it, but I think that marking it is is, is at least a valid term is jezzing it. Yeah, I would agree with that. So after that, we see Mark walking past the filing aisle uh, in JLB, and he sees Jeff and Sophie flirting with each other, and he kind of debates as he's walking past whether or not he's going to just cock-block Jeff. But he realizes that's probably a bad idea. And, you know, given that Sophie is probably still upset with him about hacking her email and breaking Jeff's neighbor's window, I think that's probably a good call on his part.
3: Yeah, yeah. He he realizes that kind of he doesn't really have much to gain by doing that. And he just sort of walks past and he's like, Okay, Sarah, Sarah, Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see if she fucks him, I'll kill myself. And I just love how matter-of-fact he is in saying, if she fucks him, I'll kill myself. But uh, I don't think Mark has the social chops to be a cockblock, even if he wanted to. Uh, I mean, I, I think depending on, on what he said, and uh, I think depending on what he said, he, he could probably do it. Well, Mark...
2: Again, taking kind of the easy way out, but not really. He appears at the JLB
3: security office. And Mark is really funny in this scene because he's trying to build kind of some camaraderie with Lori, the security guard, and he's just calling him mate, and he's like, oh, Hobnob's mate? Thought you might like some Chris since we're pulling an all-nighter. And um, the security guard invites him in, and, and Mark is just like, huh, mate. The magic code word instant report with taxi drivers, builders and garage men. And after Laurie invites Mark in, Mark is just looking at all the TV monitors and he's like, "Oh, blimey, you can see the whole the whole building." And then Laurie just looks at Mark and he's like, "So, what's your name, pal?" <laughs> Which causes Mark to have a bit of like internal debate where he's like, "Do I call him mate? Do I call him pal?" Like what happens?
2: Yeah, and he doesn't have a lot of time to really figure it out because in walks Terry, which is another security guard who is played by an actor named Terry Bird, best known for Born to be Blue, Breaking the Bank, and Community. And I thought I recognized him from somewhere. But uh, Terry kicks things off by saying, you know, cheers, mate. And Mark can't believe that they're
3: back to mate. So he's even more confused. Mark is just like, oh, I bet you can see everything in here. I bet you can even see my mates. Yeah, and... uh,
2: You know, so he convinces two security guards to spy on Jeff and Sophie, who are still in
3: the filing aisle, but this time they're a little bit more active. And Jeff is going in to kiss Sophie, and Terry's just like, your mate's getting a little fresh, is he? And Mark, the expression on David Mitchell's face is just like fucking hilarious here, because he's like... It's pure horror. Yeah, he's like, oh God, oh God, no. No. And then Lori, of course, you know, I imagine that back in the day, like, this was probably common, like, when security guards saw this kind of stuff. Because Lori's just like, hey, hey, Terry, get me a tape. And <laughs> Mark's just like, don't tape it. Stop. Charge up your tasers.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but he does pop the tape in anyway. And uh, Terry says, you know, I'll tell you what, mate, he can give her one for me. To where yeah. Lori says, me too. And Mark just responds, you know, with... No enthusiasm whatsoever. Uh,
3: brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then that kind of leads directly into our next scene where Jeremy is, is deciding to try to connect with Nancy. So he has decided to work at a
2: homeless encampment. And he's patting himself on the back for a job well done feeding the homeless. Even though this is the first time that we can think of that he's done anything charitable whatsoever.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and he's telling one of the homeless guys, he's like, "Come on, smile. You don't know I'm here with an ulterior motive."
2: <laughs> but uh, Nancy sees Jeremy uh, serving up, you know, bread and soup to the homeless, and walks right over to him. And Nancy says, "You know, Jeremy, when have you since when have you been involved with street work?"
3: Yeah, and Jeremy's just like, "Since forever. Bloody hell, this is amazing. I have no idea you were into this stuff too." And- yeah. And, and this, is,
2: this is a good line here, because Nancy's like, really? Because I'm pretty sure I mentioned it. But Jeremy says, uh, you know, no, I don't think you did, because if you had, I'd have mentioned it too. Great deflection. Great deflection. Yeah. Great deflection. Yeah.
3: I don't even know if he's, like, trying to deflect as much as he's just, like, gaslighting the shit out of her right oh. here. Yeah, that I mean, that works too. I mean, it's it's but it's a good uh, cover
2: either way. So yeah. Nancy just says, right. And Jer- Jez goes into this whole thing, you know, I love hobos. And Jesus fed a multitude of followers with just, you know, five loaves of bread and, and uh, what was it? Five loaves of bread and two fishes. Right. Matthew there, there chapter go. 14. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Nancy seems to be genuinely happy with Jeremy because, uh, you know, I mean, he is in touch with the religion at least a little bit. Calls him, honey, gives him a kiss and walks away because somebody called her name. But uh, you know clearly Jeremy did just enough research or knew just enough you know it's, it's probably like a lot of us um, you know not bashing religion or anything that, that were raised Christian later become atheist or whatever or agnostic where you know certain parts mm-hmm. and, and he's just he's just glomming onto those certain parts to try to make himself look good to Nancy. yep exactly yeah. So, back at Apollo House, Nancy and Jez are on the couch and Mark is in the lounge chair. Uh, Jeremy looks at
3: Nancy and says, you know, another cup of tea, girlfriend. And then Nancy is just like, I'm good, thanks. And then the camera switches over to Nancy's perspective where she's looking right at Jeremy. And you can see him kind of mouthing the words, boyfriend. (laughs) And then Nancy is just like boyfriend
2: and 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 her saying that it's again it's less than enthusiastic like she just recently must have become okay with this idea after the first scene
3: yeah well she probably saw you know like what a you know she was probably impressed with him feeding the homeless so she probably decided to give him a chance
2: well i mean you know yeah there's more to jeremy than clubs and pills and lumen hardcore so right. That's I mean that's always good. That's what you want in a partner, right? So, exactly. so Mark is uh, just sitting in his chair, rewinding and watching. Uh, and by this time, you can only imagine how many times he's watched this footage of Sophie and Jeff making out in the filing
3: aisle. <clears throat> he's just like, "This is the worst bit." And Jeremy, you know, Jeremy's like telling Mark like to kind of, you know, calm down a little bit. And Mark's just like. I'm just doing research, besides, I have the right to torture myself. What are you gonna what are you gonna do? Call amnesty see that <laughs> that's the push. She can hardly get away because yeah. while, while Jeff and Sophie were making out, Jeff kind of put his hands on her shoulder and like kind of pushed her up against the wall, like kind of in the heat of passion, right, certainly not uh you know what Mark thinks
2: is yours is, at least in his uh delusions uh taking as a sexual assault but uh just a you know heat of passion kind of thing like you said but mark asked nancy for her analysis because she's sophie's friend which it seems strange to me because they met at rainbow rhythms but we never see any of them together at any point series two aside from that and i mean is like i i don't understand
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't ever see you don't ever see any real interaction between Nancy and Sophie outside of last episode. Or was it I guess 2 episodes ago? Yeah, you don't see yeah. any interaction between Nancy and Sophie between, uh, you know, since dance class. Yeah. I mean, like did
2: Sophie tell Nancy about the email hacking and you know, if so, you know, Nancy should have bad feelings towards Mark and shouldn't really be trying to help him hook up with Sophie.
3: Yeah, that that was something that I, you know, I also thought about, too. You know, like, what kind of, you know, what kind of friend is Nancy that if Sophie is like, hey, look, this dude is, like, fucking creepy, and he hacked my email, and, you know, was just doing all this stuff to get to know me, you know, what kind of friend is Nancy if she's just like, oh, yeah, he sounds great? Yeah, and,
2: uh, but, you know, Nancy as she usually is, is completely full disclosure about the whole thing. She tells Mark that Jeff took Sophie to the bathroom for a little bit of what she refers to as, <laughs> <laughs> but that Sophie was totally into it. So instead, they went back to his place, made out for hours, then she jerked him off.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I love, I love how Mark is just like, oh, brilliant. And then... Nancy also mentions that Jeff has went away and hasn't called Sophie back, and Sophie is really pissed off about it.
2: Yes, and uh, you can understand why. I mean, they obviously had a moment there, and she jerked him off, and well, you know. I mean, if somebody's going to jerk me off, I'm at least going to call him back. Yeah. At least say yeah. At least say
3: thank you. Exactly. Just a
2: text, you know? Thank you, T Y V M. Yeah. So back at uh, well, Jane,
3: I mean, for that, I might just do an emoji, you know, like a thumbs up or something like or that, or like a, a winky smiley face. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But back at JLB,
2: we're in a boardroom or some kind of conference room where Johnson is leading a meeting and Johnson is... I love Johnson. He's just the fucking best. And in his smooth Johnson way, our ambition should be to kill clients. I mean, actually kill them with our level of service so they're dead.
3: Yeah, and as Johnson is talking, Jeff kind of slides in late to the meeting and... There's a chair that is open right next to Sophie and Jeff just kind of slides into the chair and he starts kind of whispering in Sophie's ear and Sophie is kind of pretending not to hear him, but, you know, um, she's, you know, kind of smiles and kind of just brushes him off a little bit.
2: Well, and I have to wonder with this scene in particular, is it because she's that pissed off at Jeff or is it because she's trying to be professional? Because at this point in the series, Sophie is still a JLB credit
3: manager professional. But this is the same woman that, despite being Mark's boss, was emailing her, you know, other coworkers about one of her subordinates.
2: Also a very good point. But either way, uh, Johnson says, uh, you know, he mentions the city of Aberdeen, where he needs a couple of experienced credit managers up there for 10 days for on-site training, and he was thinking about Sophie and Jeff.
3: Yeah, and Mark, this is kind of like a a worst-case scenario, but Mark being Mark, he's able to kind of dig deep and and plead his case, so let's kind of just hear what he has to say.
1: So, unless anyone else has any thoughts, let's wrap up and have a couple of Frappuccinos. Yes,
3: I have a thought. Uh Uh-huh. I
1: very much don't think it's a good idea. Oh, okay. Why's that? It's just a hunch, OK? And I always trust my hunches. Thanks, Columbo. <laughs> and plus, Jeff doesn't have much experience. The 2003 Scottish Consumer Directive, for example. I really don't think that affects us, Alan. Oh, it doesn't affect us that during the first phone contact, we're obliged to set out without abbreviation the terms of a standard repayment plan. I've shot you, Jeff, with a okay. bullet made of Scottish finance mm. regulations. So, Mark, would you be prepared to go up there with Sophie if that's the way things panned out? Yeah, Alan. I I suppose I could probably make that. Even if I have to cut off all my limbs and crawl to Aberdeen on my tongue.
3: (laughs) I love that. Uh, So you don't think the 2003 Scottish Consumer Directive is, uh... And he just, like, ends up, I've shot you with a bullet of Scottish finance regulation.
2: (laughs) And, you know... As in a lot of business, it all sounds like bullshit to me. I mean, apparently, the, as far as we can tell, that directive is completely made up. But, uh, you know, Mark really, I mean, when it comes down to it, he will do just about anything to kill his sexual rivals socially.
3: Yeah, and we get to see that again in this next scene because Sophie and Jeff are playing miniature golf and, you know, they are look like they're having a pretty good time. Right, so we
2: see, uh, aside from them playing golf, uh, we see, well, mini-golf, we see Mark and Jeremy what looks like a picnic, but he's actually having Jeremy
3: peek over the hedges to observe the date and kind of monitor what's going on. Jeremy is wearing these fucking sunglasses. As far as I can remember, you never see him wear these sunglasses ever again, but they're the sunglasses you get when you're leaving your eye doctor and they've dilated your eyes, just kind of the big honking wraparound glasses. Yeah, I thought so
2: too. Like, you know, they don't even have the uh, the ear bridge thing.
3: Uh, I believe you mean a temple, sir. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not an ophthalmologist. Uh, I'm not an ophthalmologist either. I'm an optician.
2: Optician. I'm sorry I'm not an optician. But either way, that's what I thought when I first saw him as well. And, uh, you know, so Mark is thanking Jeremy for the heads up on their date, uh, which we assume that Sophie probably told Nancy and that Nancy told Jeremy because apparently they're great friends, but... We still really don't have any line on that whatsoever.
3: And and actually, I I had written that part about, I I guess, Sophie told Nancy, but actually Mark says, thanks for the heads up on the date, mate.
2: Yeah, so it had to have come from Nancy, but he says, you know, it's great to be able to monitor, and if anybody asks, we're just having a lovely, innocent picnic. And again, the picnic, it looks like pretty legit. I mean, Mark's (laughs) Mark's sitting there drinking a can of lager, but they're what appears to be hummus. There's a bunch of crisps laying around. There's some fruit. Three flavors. Yeah, three flavors that we find out later. Um, But, uh, you know, it it looks pretty innocent. But then Mark sees a film crew, which I'm assuming is, like, the local news or something, just kind of filming, Mm -hmm. you know, filming something.
3: Yeah, it looks like they're interviewing, like, a a family or something like that. I mean, you don't really know what they're—well, I guess you kind of figure it out a little bit later. But um, Mark's just like, the— the film get somebody to film it i don't know what the hell he's talking about like what he wants them to film he's just like yeah build up a library of taped evidence right evidence that i'm an obsessive voyeur and i like that he actually is aware enough that he chides himself for being an obsessive
2: voyeur well you know even in mark's worst moments he's pretty self-aware but i think what he's trying to do because he mentions that or jeremy i think when he's peeking over the hedges says Somebody, the fact of always oh, having trouble with the Humpty. I think he kind of even spanks Sophie a little bit. As yeah. kind of being playful. Yeah, he kind of playfully hits her with the putting with the putter. Right. So I think that's what he means by you know getting a, a you know recorded evidence. Oh yeah. Okay. I got you. That makes sense. That makes because you know so far you have the sexual assault and then apparently what Mark is delusional about him beating her with the golf club at that yeah. point. So. Who knows? But back at Apollo House, we have Jeremy, Mark, and Nancy who are watching the news.
3: Yeah, and I, I like this scene because Nancy's just like, bad news, bad news, bad news. Jesus, Jeremy, one bus cr- one bus crash. What about all the buses that made it safely to their destinations? Yeah, and uh, I see your
2: note here that, uh, you know, and I have the same feelings too to where, you know, whenever a tragedy happens, you know, plane crashes or train derails, I mean, there's coverage everywhere, but it's it's not really emphasized. It's a pretty rare occurrence. I mean, especially when you look at shows, and I believe it actually might be a BBC series called uh, Air Crash Disaster.
3: Yeah, something like that. Something I, like I, that.
2: I mean, I've, se- I've seen it on YouTube, but it's way overblown, and it's such a rare... I mean, because a lot of people, you know... I mean, how many millions of flight hours go in every year? Yeah.
3: yeah. Everybody's and I mean, okay. I, I mean, just... The main reason they're so, you know, overhyped is it's just such a rare occurrence. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, because really, if you think back to
2: when you were a kid, you can still remember very clearly, like, TWA 800. The jet
3: blue crash over the Everglades. You know, yeah. there are certain things that just stick out in your mind, but... That fucking Hawaiian plane that had the goddamn cabin rip off the top and, amazingly, nobody died. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So... Um,
2: you know, I think that in 2017, it is it's relevant. We'll get into that a little bit more here. But uh, on the TV, you also see a news report that shows the danger of people who are day drinking in the park. And of course,
3: here is Mark on the news drinking a can of lager at his picnic. Yeah, and it's it's like it's not like a faraway shot of Mark drinking either. It is like a close up shot of Mark's face with a can of lager. And these words scroll by, uh, these words are kind of superimposed over the top of the picture, and it just says, antisocial behavior, single men more likely to commit drinking-related offenses, (laughs) new police power, and then there's, there's a fourth line that starts to appear, and it starts to say government intro or into or something, but then the camera just pans back to Jeremy and Nancy, who are just fucking laughing at Mark. And I like that the
2: news just assumes that that Mark is a single male.
3: Yeah, <laughs> you know, you just look at the guy, and he's like, "Oh, that that guy's got to be single." But Mark is like really upset because he's like, "That's that's our picnic. You can't see the <laughs> kettle
2: chips." Well, rather than uh, go into too much detail about this, we'll go ahead and play the scene right here. Promised
1: firm action to move on nuisance drinkers from the Copthorne fence area. That's, that's our picnic! You can't see the
4: kettle chips! <laughs>
1: Bloody hell!
4: Whose business is it where you do your drinking?
1: I wasn't drinking, I was having a picnic! Hello? Mum, we were having a picnic. Tell dad it, it was a picnic. You can't see the crisps! We had three different flavours of crisps! Explain to him! And, and scotch eggs! Yeah, no, really, I'm I'm fine. L- listen, I've I've gotta go.
2: Cocknobs. <laughs> Cocknobs. Yeah. It's a great scene, especially when his parents call him and he's just trying to rationalize it. I mean I just I really enjoy it. You know, we had three flavors of crisps.
3: And scotch eggs. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm fine, really. <laughs> and you know, the thing is, is that Nancy is, like, legitimately trying, so th- as the scene continues, like, Nancy is, like, lit- legitimately trying to, you know, kind of pet Mark up here, and she's like, you know, don't worry, these things happen for a reason. It might not seem like it, but there's a plan.
2: Yeah, and Mark isn't having any other religion, you know, he's being, uh, and again, don't want to offend anybody, but, like, that atheist that you don't want to run into, that's always yeah. trying to... Distr- always trying to peddle his anti-religion, but uh, he's looking through the yellow pages, which is crazy to me because I can't remember the last time I used the yellow pages.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's just again one of those things that really, really, really dates the show. And Mark is trying to find the phone number for Ofcom in the yellow pages, which Ofcom for our American audience is essentially their kind of equivalent of the FAA or the FCC or FAA. rather. FCC, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know,
2: Nancy says, well, you know, God does have published plans. It's called the Bible. But Mark fires back with, oh, the Bible. And I wonder what the Bible's view is on you're doing it in the shower and in the garden center and up the bum. That's in the Bible, isn't it? I hope it is. Or else I'm going
3: to hell. Yeah. And then Jeremy just responds with this sharp, like, mock. And then he looks quickly at Nancy. He's like, I'm sure it is in the Bible somewhere probably Corinthians, loads of weird shit in there. And Nancy looks
2: really upset. I mean, you know, you can understand. It, and it's weird with Nancy because obviously she's cool with all this alternative lifestyle stuff that you normally wouldn't equate to, you know, a strict Christian, uh, you know, follower. But yeah, this, this right, is clearly exactly. upsetting. It's, it's just very strange, but um you know nancy's uh, just kind of a strange character i think but back at jlb even though mark is embarrassed about the newscast he's trying to just soldier on because that's what he does and he knows that he's going to aberdeen and at that point he can make everything better with sophie
3: yeah yeah and you know he's just thinking he's just thinking to himself you know they're all staring they're all staring yeah uh, they're staring at the drunk on the news. Well, fuck them. Me and Sophie are going to Aberdeen. And he finds a four-pack of beer on his desk, and he's just like, all right, very funny. <laughs> Anybody else who makes a joke about it, I'm going to take him to the fucking Industrial Tribunal.
2: <laughs> and at this point, Johnson just slides in all
3: smooth and asks Mark to come talk
2: to him. And as they're going to Johnson's office... You know, clearly Mark is aware of why Johnson's pulling him in there. And he's trying to explain that he was just having a picnic uh, for what they saw in the news. And he's talking to Offcom about it. He had three different flavors of crisps, again, I think comes up. And, yeah. Yeah, and Johnson understands. He's been there. He's been to the bottom of the bottle and back to the top. And, uh, you know, hey, we've all had our struggles at some point. So I'm not going to glamorize it or anything. But certainly Mark uh, does not really fit that mold.
3: No, no, and and Mark keeps, he keeps trying to interrupt Johnson to tell him that he's not an alcoholic, and then Johnson just keeps going, we're kindred spirits, Mark, like George W. or Alistair Campbell. We want it all, and we want it now, and if we're not hitting our targets, we're hitting the bottle, right? And and Mark is just like, Alan, I'm not, I'm not an alcoholic, and then Johnson's just like, sure, sure, you're not. That's what I told myself (laughs) every day for 15 years. But until you face your demons and put the plug in the jug, how can I trust you to be my main man in the office, let alone Frankfurt or Aberdeen?
2: And, of course, that raises a red flag with Mark because, you know, God forbid he doesn't get to go to Aberdeen. He already bought the rough guide. And, you know, he says, well, you know, I suppose... Or in his head, he says, well, I suppose I could sell it on eBay. But, uh, you know, he just panics because he can't really
3: reconnect with sophie without having those 10 days in aberdeen and then we get a flashback over to jeremy and nancy and they're both kind of hanging out in jeremy's bedroom nancy's laying on the bed and reading the bible and jeremy's just sitting kind of against one of the walls and he's just kind of looking at nancy
2: well and i find it funny here because uh nancy if you look really close it looks like she's reading revelation which is, of course, the last book in the Bible about the apocalypse and the four horsemen and the hellfire and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Jeremy... That's why Jeremy's line is so funny, where he asks her if she's found the part of
3: the Bible where it says it's okay to do it up the bum. Yeah. Yeah, and and Nancy's just like, I'm not looking for that, Jeremy. I'm just reading. Yeah, and, you know, meanwhile,
2: Jeremy's, like, doing something, and we find out uh, he kind of, like sticks this picture of the wall that he was drawing in Nancy, and it looks like a three-year-old druid, but it's it's just this really rough sketch of her sitting there on the bed.
3: Uh, Yeah, so Nancy looks at Jeremy and says it's time for them to break the ultimate taboo. Jeremy's worried that it's going to hurt. He's like, oh, it's not going to hurt, is it? It's not the ear, is it? (laughs) I mean,
2: it's a legitimate concern. I can't think that that would be comfortable, but she states that the ultimate taboo is just not having sex at all, and she wants to go completely celibate.
3: Yeah, and I I like Jeremy's counter proposal where he's basically like Or we could be like Yoko and John and just save the world by doing it all the time until the world's injustices get sorted out. Well, when did John Lennon die? I think it was nineteen eighty.
2: Mark David Chapman killed him
3: and uh yeah, let's uh let's consult the Google box. Yeah. When did John Lennon die? Nineteen eighty, December eighth, nineteen eighty.
2: Yeah, so they would still be doing it today, without a doubt, if they were waiting <laughs> yeah. for all the world's injustices to be solved. But, yeah. you know, at it, it, the very least, he's trying to find that silver lining and asks if, you know, Mark's comment from earlier had anything to do with the idea. And when she says no, she, uh, Jeremy makes it a point to tell her, you know, Mark's just the ghost at the feast. Yeah, don't listen to him. He's just the ghost at the feast. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, he wonders if you know, maybe he can get her to talk dirty while he jerks off is what he's thinking, which, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know, you gotta have something, I guess, but, so, from there we go to what appears to be, and I don't know if
3: AA is the same in the UK as it is here, but it appears to be an AA meeting room. This is hands down my favorite scene in this entire episode, and I just kind of want to set the scene because we're going, to, we're going to play it here in a minute, but I just kind of want to set the scene. So there's probably, I don't know, five to six guys in there, and Mark is kind of, they're all staring at Mark, and Johnson is there with Mark too. And Mark is, or uh, excuse me, Johnson is sitting, I don't know, what'd you say, like a foot, half a foot away from Mark? Yeah, it's uncomfortably close. Mark is just kind of slowly looking around the room, and but the way that Johnson, so like everybody else's chairs are kind of faced towards like the middle of the circle, except for Johnson, his he's looking like straight at Mark. Uh, their knees are practically touching; they're si- sitting so close. It's it's super funny. And and there's really
2: no good way to describe this scene like uh, Sean had mentioned, so we're just gonna go ahead and play it right here.
1: Hello, uh, my, my name's Mark. And I'm an alcoholic. Uh, So I'm a lager drinker, mainly. I think I had my first one when I was about 14. Hoffmeister. You remember the bear with the pork pie hat? Yeah. Surely that's enough. Let it out. Yeah, so... lately it, it's got really bad. <clears throat> I've been on the rum and coke. More? And vodka and gin, all mixed up. It's not even a proper cocktail, it's just made up. And I just drink that and stay at home. And. Eat oven chips out of the bag, frozen, until I throw up on myself. That's how pissed I've been. Thanks. God, they'll believe anything. All you've got to do is turn up and moan.
3: Thank you, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) It's not... It's not even a proper cocktail. It's just made up. <laughs> how, like, like,
2: uh, yeah, you remember the bear with the, uh, the pork pie hat.
3: I, I love how every time that Mark thinks he said enough, Johnson kind of, you know, Gives him that kind book. of you, leans on him a little bit or kind of, you know, I, I think he what grabs his hand or something. Yeah. He puts he his does. hand on Mark's and, and kind of squeezes Mark's hand and Mark just keeps going. And I like, I like, he's like, and I just drink that and stay at home and eat oven <laughs> chips out of the bag,
2: frozen. frozen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I mean, you know, and given uh, Mark's history with Johnson and the whole C- uh, series one, uh, what, what episode was it where he's questioning his sexuality? I mean, it's, yeah. it's got yeah, di- four. Yeah, it's got to be a difficult situation for Mark.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree,
2: but. <laughs> Back at the uh, the homeless camp, or wherever they're doing the soup kitchen, uh, Jeremy is very aggressively stirring whatever soup is there.
3: He's just stirring the soup, and he's like, What's so great about sex, anyway? It's all in the mind. And he looks over, and he sees Nancy, and he's like, Her soft skin is just a big bag full of kidneys and mucus and half-digested bits of pie. I bet she's got really nice kidneys. Oh, yeah, I'd fuck those kidneys real good. She looks fine. Why is she fine? Why am I not fine? And she's fine. She's probably getting some somewhere. Maybe she's doing it with him.
2: And it pans over, and we see Nancy standing there with a homeless man named Nim. And uh, we don't quite know it yet, but she's just basically uh, standing there, you know, laughing with him and, and writing something down. Uh, Nim is played by, and I haven't, forgive me for not being able to pronounce this, Tad Zeus. The pasta mac, and outside of Peep Show, he hasn't done much—just some one-off stuff in various shows, but nothing really long-term.
3: I tried to really find out anything I could about him online, and outside of his IMDb page, I, I didn't really find anything. And he only has really a couple lines
2: in this episode to begin with. But uh, you know, Jeremy pretty much walks up aggressively and says, "Hey, you know what? Are y'all laughing about?" And as it turns out, Nancy is just really helping him fill out his benefit forms so that he can uh, get
3: some aid from the government. I really like this next part where he's like, uh, I see you, mate. Oh, look at me. I've been homeless so long. I forgot how to use a pen.
2: <laughs> yeah, because at that point, Nancy's already walked away to take Jeremy's place at the uh, soup server. Yeah. So yeah, Nancy, Nancy's gone, and all of a sudden, Jeremy just turns back into an asshole.
3: Yeah, yeah, and he's like, Oh, my forms, my precious forms, because he's snatched Nim's benefit forms out of his hands. He just like tears them up and throws them in a trash can.
2: Yeah, and he pokes them very aggressively in the chest. I've got my eye on you, mate. But back at Apollo House, Jeremy and Nancy are watching TV. Clearly, Nancy has no idea what transpired at the uh, soup kitchen area and they're just watching some sort of weird war movie which i i don't think we see mark in the room quite yet which is weird to me that jeremy might even have like kind of stockholm (laughs) syndrome and just be uh sympathetic with mark always trying to watch his war documentaries
3: this scene is typical jeremy where he's just kind of he's like panicking about everything everything that nancy does he's you know she like kind of scoots over for him and he's like that's bad body language she hasn't mentioned the homeless guy once, probably wants me to forget all about him. Yeah. And then and then she just kind of stands up and Jeremy's like, oh, that's it. She's off. She's leaving me.
2: Yeah, but all she does is go into the kitchen to get a drink and just kind of casually mentions that Nim is going to be moving into her flat for a while. And that is a big surprise for Jeremy, uh, which Nancy explains, you know, at least until he gets his own place. And uh, you know, oh Jesus, Jez, nothing's gonna happen. You know, we just a homeless got She's, she's. I think here, she's genuinely just trying to be a nice person.
3: Yeah, yeah. And Jeremy tries to, you know, kind of play it off, and he's like, oh, I'm sure he probably likes being homeless. You know, like, why are we gonna deprive him of his, you know, joy of sleeping out in the streets, the the rolling hills, the heather. Don't fence <laughs> him in.
2: Yeah, and you know, I think that there probably are places, you know, homelessness, you know, especially in America, um, there are certain cities, you know, like I, last time I visited Austin, Texas, I mean, there's homeless everywhere and it's terrible, but I feel like there are certain areas where if you had to and there was aid available, you could be comfortably homeless. Does that make sense? Yeah. At least most yeah. of the year, but uh, London
3: does not strike me as one of those places. no. No. Uh, You know, it, you know, stereotypical London, it's, you know, it's kind of rainy there. And, you know, I, I, it, I'm imagining it is up north. So it's probably not, you know, a place like Arizona, you know, where, well, well Arizona, Austin, Texas,
2: I, I mean, you know, Austin, Texas, yeah. it's more most of the year. So, you yeah. know, but Jeremy finally says, look, you know, we've got a massive couch here and Nim should just stay here with us. I can look after him." You know, not like a Tamagotchi, which again ages the show, uh, but you know better. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever have a Tamagotchi? I did, and uh, I was always pissed off when I got the snake because the snake yeah. always died after like three days. You were like, "What the fuck, man!" Like,
3: but <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will never forget this. But when I was, uh, I, I have family that lives in uh, over in in England and, um. When I was 16, so about 20 years ago, we went to go visit our family there, and it was kind of full in the middle of the, the Tamagotchi craze. And And my little cousin, she had a Tamagotchi, and she was just like, she was just obsessed with this thing. And um, we were driving through Paris, and my uncle was was very stressed out because he hates driving in France. He's... You know, you're driving a a right-hand drive car, but you're driving on the left side of the road, so, you know, there's just, like, a lot going on. Right. And uh, all of a sudden, my my little cousin squeals, and my uncle just whips his head around. He's like, what? What? What's going on? And she's like, daddy, my Tamagotchi's done a poo. And (laughs) I don't know why, but I will just always remember that for the rest of my life. It was just, it was so funny, like, how he went from, you know, like, oh, my God, to just... Oh my god! I don't want to hear about your Tamagotchi doing a poo right now. It was so, it was so funny.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean those things were just an obsession. I had to like go to Wonder Water, which was a uh, it was in Clearwater, Florida, and it was like a comic book shop. But for some reason, they had Tamagotchis, and I think I paid like forty bucks for it, which was like six months worth of allowance. But yeah. Uh, yeah, at least it wasn't any of that GigaPets bullshit.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's just a Tamagotchi ripoff, god damn it.
2: Yeah, if you're a complete jabroni. It's uh yeah. but either way, later that day, Mark arrives home from work and he's talking to his dad on the phone, reassuring him that everything's all right. He's not an alcoholic, but his dad is standing firm on the phone and decides to come to visit Mark. And uh, which is obviously a big concern for Mark.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and um <laughs> Mark's just like No no, okay. Please don't use that voice. And Mark Mark does kind of strike me as the guy, you know, as like a guy who's in his 30s who's still intimidated by his dad. Well, I mean, in good measure, because we meet his dad later, and it, I can understand why Mark is intimidated by his dad.
2: Oh, I think so too, and it's a shame that we don't really get to meet him here. But That's a good fucking point, because he it says is. that he's on his way
3: to go pick him up, but then you never see him. Yeah.
2: I mean, I just don't think they had a plan maybe at this point for Mark's dad until the holiday episode. But uh, Mark's dad could have been a much deeper character and and not a complete one off like so many of the characters in the show.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Yeah.
2: But, you know, uh, Mark tells us that, you know, you know how the news is these days. They're just making it all up, which, again, 2017, very topical with, you know, what is it, uh, alternative facts and...
3: uh, Fake news, alternative facts.
2: Yeah, which, uh, you know, I assume is going on at least a little bit in the UK for UK listeners with the election and all that kind of stuff, but it's definitely happening here on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, But uh, Mark walks into the living room and sees Nim sitting on the couch watching TV and eating something out of a tub...
3: Um, I I like how he's just like, I I like how Nim is just has this gigantic fucking tub of ice cream in front of him and he's just tearing (laughs) into it.
2: And it's a huge spoon. He's just like, he
3: is loving it. I
2: mean, I guess if I was
3: homeless and I had something like that, I'd be pretty happy about it too. And and what do you think? Like probably five, six of that ice cream is gone. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean,
2: assuming Mark hasn't eaten much of it. I mean, he has probably packed down three or 4,000 calories. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. but uh he kind of just weirdly awkwardly just says to him oh uh, hello and turns to walk to the kitchen where jeremy is sitting
3: and and he's like jeremy there's a there's a man in the living room eating my sarah lee and jeremy's just like oh that's my friend nim he's homeless (laughs) yeah
2: and it's uh it's a good scene because it's a another one of those role reversals for jeremy where jeremy's concerned about nim and the the greater good instead of the one that hates him in the last yeah. scene or the scene
3: before yeah yeah i like how jeremy goes from like hating nim and being like oh nim should just sleep on the streets to being like mark you know because because mark tells jeremy that nim's gotta go like it is not negotiable Wait, like nim's his gotta to go because go, that's coming. coming
2: yeah you know, you don't want a homeless guy sitting around your house if your dad's coming to visit, especially if you're terrified of your dad. Yeah. But uh, Jeremy informs Mark that Nim doesn't have benefits uh, because some bloody guy ripped up his forms,
3: apparently. <laughs> yeah, and Mark is just like, who would do that? Why on earth would <laughs> they do that?
2: Yeah, and, uh, you know, Mark unknowingly that, you know, Jeremy's ripped up his forms because Jeremy's selling it pretty well. Goes into the living room and tells Nim, Look, you've gotta go, my dad's coming, and you know, my dad considers Sir David Frost somewhat of a hippie, so, you know, you can't be here.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And you know what's weird is that like Nim doesn't really put up much of a fight. He just kinda like grabs his shit and then just walks out in total silence you know and meanwhile mark's trying to save
2: face and it, it it's typical mark he's trying to save face to a guy that he doesn't even know saying you know i've got a standing order to the royal national lifeboat institute you know that's just the kind of guy i am
3: yeah yeah and i had to i i had to do a little bit of research on the royal lifeboat institute Um, And it is, I discovered through the magic of Google and Wikipedia that it is the largest charity that saves lives at sea, and it specifically focuses on the coast of the United Kingdoms, the Republic of Ireland, the Channel Islands, and the Isle of Man, as well as some of the inland waterways. Yes. So assuming that, you know, he's getting some sort of benefit from them.
2: But later that day, and just kind of assuming that this is probably while Mark is picking up his dad. Uh, we get a a pretty funny interaction between Jeremy and Nancy that, uh, you know, we, we should probably just play it.
0: God, she's gorgeous. This is killing me. Maybe I can just go and rob myself against her. Say I'm doing an experiment. No. Too pathetic. Okay, here goes. The nuclear option. The ultimate. So, Nancy. I just wanted to say how much I'm enjoying not having sex with you. Really? Yeah. Come on, Jez. Death or glory. In fact, I was going to propose that we should probably never have sex again. I mean, all that humping and pumping. We could take all that wasted energy and try and accomplish so many more important things.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's great, Jez, but... I really wanted this to bring us, you know, closer together.
0: Oh, but it has. I feel incredibly close to you, without any pressure to be sexual. I mean, these. I mean, they're just a pair of human breasts, for Christ's sakes. Now I can finally appreciate your whole body without any stupid sexual desire.
4: Well, yeah, I mean. Celibacy, that's thats great, but maybe it's all just a bit of naughty Nancy. Nancy can't have fun. Nancy must be punished. And maybe I should just say, fuck you, Mom.
0: Oh, yeah, take that, God. Shove this up your toga, you big beardy killjoy. Shove that up your
3: toga, <laughs> you big beardy killjoy.
2: Oh, man, it's, it's a good little scene there, a good little exchange, but... Um... I,
3: just, I just like how he's like he's just like full on like just touching her breasts and he's like these breasts just big bags of meat (laughs) or whatever big bags of yeah they're just a pair of human breasts for christ's sake now i can appreciate your whole body without any stupid sexual desire (laughs)
2: and he's really trying to sell the reverse psychology which is a complete jeremy thing to do
3: and it fucking works amazingly.
2: It works. Like, Nancy wants him at this point, but then Jeremy, is, it's like he's too far sold into this idea for him to go back on it now.
3: Yeah, and uh, un- but unfortunately for Jeremy, Nancy all of a sudden just notices that Nim is gone. <laughs> and when, you know, every other time that I've watched this episode, this never clicked with me until this time. But, like... What the fuck took her so long to realize that Nim was gone? Like, like there was a homeless guy on the couch, and now there's
2: not. Right. I mean,
3: it's not like their apartment is goddamn huge or anything.
2: No, it's a tiny flat. I mean, what do you figure, <laughs> I mean, like 700, 600, 600, 700 square feet, something like that? I mean... Oh, uh, if, it, if, if that, yeah, if mean... Yeah, I mean, the homeless guy's got to be somewhere. But, yeah. uh, you know, Nancy's really concerned about Nim's well-being. And Jeremy just, he just responds to her very aggressively. Nim, 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 Nim. Fucking Nim. Look, if you love Nim so much, why don't you go and find him and screw him?
3: Yeah, and then Nancy's just like, okay, fine. I will go and try to find Nim, you know, just to make sure that he's not like, I don't know, dead or something. And then she just kind of like storms out to, you know, get her coat and leave and jeremy just is like being so pathetic and he's just like (laughs) come on touch it you can just blow on it you can even use a tea towel (laughs) i can only imagine how
2: how sad of a hand job that would be with a uh, tea towel
3: oh what do you uh, think would be worse the tony hand job when she thought jeremy was dying or this one
2: i think the tea towel they could be abrasive yeah They they can be a little bit abrasive. I don't want to get too far into this. This is a little bit uh, too much. But uh, the next day at the pub, uh, you get Mark and Sophie that are sitting there drinking at the pub. And, you know, Mark uh, clearly has a glass of beer in front of him and maybe drank, what, a quarter of it?
3: Probably something like that. Yeah.
2: But Mark is telling Sophie that he insists on getting separate rooms while he's in Aberdeen, trying to sound like the nice guy, you know, typical Mark, even though he has his uh, alternative motives. Um, but Johnson walks in and catches Mark and just completely chastises him for drinking.
3: Yeah, I like... By the way, let's just... I always want to, like, jump back to Mark's line here where he's like, and I will completely insist on getting separate rooms while we were in Aberdeen. <laughs> I don't know, like, why they're together at this bar, but Sophie... Does Sophie say anything in this entire episode? I just started thinking about this. I don't think she has a line in this entire episode, does she? I think she might. She might have a couple of words, but uh, you. Know, I well, I
2: think Mark oh, actually Oh yeah, she mentions... has. Oh,
3: yeah, she has like one fucking line, and it's <laughs> and it's Johnson. Johnson's uh, Johnson is kind of chastising Mark for having a beer, and Mark's like, "I didn't even want it. Sophie bought it for me. I asked her for a coke, and Sophie." Not even being a bro here is just like, no, you didn't. And I, I literally think out. that no, you didn't is the only line she has in this entire episode. I think so
2: too, but I mean, help a guy out. I mean, yeah. obviously, obviously there's a stigma about him at the office now.
3: Holy I mean, shit. I just had a fucking idea. Huh? Do you think she said that because she didn't want Mark to go to Aberdeen with her?
2: You know what? That's a very good question. It could like, very well be because obviously, I like literally just thought about that. <laughs> I mean, they all work in the same general area. So maybe she saw Johnson pull him into his office after the whole news thing. That's a good yeah. point.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I just thought about that.
2: Huh? But, uh, you know, either way, uh, Johnson, uh, just says, you know, all I hear is pour me, pour me, pour me another drink because of course, Johnson being the recover, the recovering alcoholic, Tells Which, Mark that by Go the ahead. way,
3: I'm glad that you again mentioned Mark or that Johnson was a recovering alcoholic because i I meant to to bring this up when we were talking about it the first time if if Johnson is a recovering alcoholic and Mark makes a friend, there's like no less than two times where he's drinking with Mark, and hmm. he's supposedly been alcohol free for fifteen years.
2: Well, you see that again, and God, what is it maybe season eight. Like, you don't know exactly what he's drinking?
3: But by then, he actually says that he's fallen off the wagon. Like, in that episode, he says he's fallen off the wagon. Ah,
2: well, uh, you know, he, either way, he's disgusted with Mark for whatever reason, even though it seems like he's kind of a hypocrite, maybe. But uh, he says that Aberdeen is not happening for him because of the minibar in the hotel room.
3: Yeah, and then as Johnson is kind of storming out, Mark is just like, should have told him it was Caliber. Caliber would have made everything all right. Which, <laughs> as I'm sure some people know, Caliber is a non-alcoholic beer that's made by Guinness.
2: Yeah, I don't think they sell that here.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's mostly um,
2: O'Doul's and...
3: Uh, which, yeah. when I was actually review when I was looking up information on Caliber, when I was watching this episode... It's actually gotten like pretty positive reviews from everything that I've seen.
2: That's surprising. Non-alcoholic beer is absolutely horrible. But uh, either way, we move to the next scene that is inside of the JLB office, where Mark is still determined to go to Aberdeen and actually says he's willing to make a canoe out of Jeff's skin to do it.
3: Yeah, yeah, I like this. He's he's talking about. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm going. To Aberdeen, Jeff, in a canoe made of your skin, wearing your nuts as earrings. <laughs> and as he's thinking this, he he sees Jeff in kind of like a, I don't know, like meeting room type deal, and he just ambushes Jeff. And um, we'll go ahead and play the scene here because the scene is pretty funny.
1: All right, Jeff. All right, Mark. So say, tell you what, Jeff. I had a great shag last night. Oh. Really? Yeah. With your mum. What? Yeah. Really doing it, we were. Mate, I know you're pissed off about me going to Aberdeen with Sophie and everything, but you need to chill. Okay? You need to chill right out, otherwise... Otherwise ain't... what? What's going to happen, you homo? Mark, stolen any good cars lately, Mr Scouser? Hey, where's your native wit now, eh, Mr Stupid? Watch it, mate. Come on, Jeff, let's get down to it, shall we? Come on, you stupid stinking chicken fucker. Whack, quack, quack, quack. Whack, quack, quack, quack. Oh, those chickens really love it when that big rooster Jeff comes a calling. <clears throat> uh, he's bloody broken my beautiful nose. <laughs>
3: <laughs> my che- nose broken my
2: beautiful bloody nose (laughs) oh man i mean and it's so mark to throw out this these horrible like attempts at
3: insults
2: because he's just not up on what's current like making you know mom jokes
3: and stuff like that or like calling him a scouser (laughs) (laughs) stolen any cars lately mr scouser why didn't he call him seat sniffer
2: yeah i mean that was a big thing in uh on the poll was yeah, you know, old seat sniffer but Yeah, sniff of, any
3: seats lately, Jeff I mean, like, <laughs> apparently whatever that's in reference to is terrible Because, you know, Sophie tells him not to bring it up again But, yeah, yeah, he should have just been like Sniff any seats again, seat sniffer
2: No, but, I mean, chicken fucker is what strikes the nerve Which yeah. says a lot about Jeff Just saying, yeah. I don't know, I'm not going to assume anything I'm not going to kink shame either but it's kind of out of character for Jeff because he knows he has the upper hand. I mean, he's more socially uh, adept than Mark is, but he's letting Mark get under his skin to the point that he actually punches him.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty it's pretty weird for Jeff to get that upset with Mark. Definitely, and
2: it, you know, in kind of a weird scene where we don't really know what's going on. It's still part of the same scene, really. He runs to the security office to try to make sure that they got jeff punching him on film because this whole time he's tried to cultivate some sort of a relationship with the security guards
3: yeah and i think that the security guard that he's been cultivating this relationship with um must be lori the the other one and not terry the one that's in there because terry just kind of seems you know completely oblivious to what's going on here
2: yeah, I think he's in there smoking a cigarette and just
3: Yeah, which uh, God damn, smoking inside uh, a building just holy shit. What man. and also, what kind of fucking place is JLB where the employees are allowed to smoke inside?
2: Well, I mean, you figure again, you know, two thousand four you know, when did when did all the clean air stuff really start taking effect? I mean maybe like two thousand, but it took a long time to roll out in the States. I can only imagine what it was like in the UK.
3: In 2000, when I was doing IT support, there was one company that we did IT for where they allowed smoking inside the building. And by that point, pretty much indoor smoking, or like at least employee smoking indoors, had been largely phased out. So, you know, I can't imagine that that 2005 England had fucking indoor smoking areas. Certainly not,
2: but it, it could also be that it's, you know, later at night and the security guard just doesn't give a fuck. Because, I mean, who's going to catch him? The other security guard?
3: True, true. We do know it is at least after 6 p.m. when all of this happens.
2: Right. Because uh, the typical guard, Lori, is uh, knocked off at 6 and the whole thing wasn't taped. And so Mark cultivates this plan to for the uh, guard that's there uh, to tape the next assault. So back in the meeting room, Mark, again, is trying to instigate Jeff. But Jeff's just had enough of Mark's shit.
3: Yeah, yeah, he's just like, Jeff is, is just like, Mark, why are you doing this to yourself? And Mark just keeps instigating Jeff, and Jeff is just like, Mark, go home. And then Mark is just like, come on, you big pussy. And Jeff is like, look, you've obviously got a lot of serious stuff going on. And I'm not going to make it worse. In like, what is a very genuine interaction for these it two is. characters.
2: It's like, Jeff is such an asshole. But even, it, it you know, it makes me wonder. So, you know, there's a lot of social stigmas around a lot of things. Especially in the mental health realm. You know, alcoholism being one of them. Almost makes me wonder if Jeff hasn't had his own struggles himself. And just kind of understands what Mark's going through.
3: It's possible. And you know... One other one other thing that I have also been thinking about too and I actually posted this on the JLB Facebook page but I'm sure it's probably been a, a common theory, you know, throughout the history of the show. Since we're seeing the this stuff through through Mark's eyes, is Jeff maybe not really that bad as Mark makes him out to be?
2: So that's a tough one for me because Jeff throughout the series is so much of a shitty asshole. I mean, he is just
3: like think about this when they and we're jumping ahead several like i think almost a whole season probably the the episode where where mark tries to become friends with jeff and you meet jeff's other friends like jeff's other friends don't seem to mind him jeremy like thinks jeff is just the coolest guy ever even even later in the series gerard like gerard never has any sort of like negative interaction with with Jeff
2: no but that being said Jeff proves himself to be an asshole when he hits on those ladies at the bar even though he's dating Sophie
3: true true
2: so So. and again we're jumping way ahead but I think that I think there's something to that theory to where uh, POV can be taken a lot of different ways it could just be a camera trick but you know obviously everybody's frame of reference is different and clearly Mark's frame of reference is quite different.
3: Right. And uh anyways, anyways, so um you know, Jeff is just like, you know, I'm not going to make your life worse and and he kind of pushes past Mark and Mark just starts making up names for him. He's just like dick cheese, piss teeth, fish lips. <laughs> Have another go at me, Jeff. Go ahead. I'll fight back this time.
2: Yeah, and, you know, just yells, Hit me, Jeff. Like, in a moment of desperation, you know, there's still dried blood, like, on his nose from the last time Jeff hit him. Yeah. And, uh, as Jeff walks out of the office, Mark realizes, Oh, the bus stops have, uh, CCTV. Maybe I'll, uh, try to get him there.
3: Yep. And then we get flagpole sita, and we pretty much have the end of the, um, the end of the episode at that point. So you tell me how you feel about this episode. Um, you know, there's really only three little bits of this of this actual episode that I like. Um, I like Market AA. Mm-hmm. I like Jeremy's seduction of Nancy, and I like Mark shit talking, Jeff. And that's probably the the Mark day drinking stuff, it just doesn't really it just doesn't really do much for me.
2: I mean, I thought the picnic stuff was funny and the insistence of the three different flavors of crisps. I mean, I think there were some good moments on this episode, but as a whole, it meant less to the series than a lot of other
3: episodes. It it just it so there's just some things that just don't make sense to me. Um, you know, like for example, the film crew. Okay, were they filming a thing about uh, you know uh, about day drinking also i don't know what sort of laws they have in in the united kingdom but in the united states you would have to that news crew would have had to have gotten a, a release signed oh, yeah. by mark in order to put him on tv
2: yeah absolutely and even uh drinking in public in the u.s is pretty much a no-no in most places given a few exceptions
3: yeah yeah, that is, that is completely true. But what's weird
2: is that IMDb has this episode ranked at 13, which is only one spot below Jeremy Makes It, which a lot of people regard as one of the best in the entire series.
3: Yeah, the the fact that that IMDb list has Jeremy Makes It as number 12 is, is pretty crazy. Um, in case you care, let me pull up that list real quick because I actually have it saved on my computer. And... I will tell you the rankings of the episodes that we've reviewed so far. Mm -hmm. Okay, hold on a minute here. Come on, piece of shit. Okay, so I'm going to go in order of ranking, okay? Um, And basically the way that this list was was generated is that they looked at the IMDB rankings of each individual episode. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. Okay, so... At number three, we've got Dance Class. Number four, we've got Mark Makes a Friend. Number six is On the Pole. Number eight is Warring Faction. Number 10 is Interview. 11 is Dream Job. 12 is Jeremy Makes It. 13 is Local Hero. And I believe that is all the ones that we have watched so far.
2: And it just seems weird that... A lot of these early episodes are so highly ranked. I mean, some of them are really good. We've mentioned before, you know, I know a lot of people like series one. I'm not the biggest fan of it. There were a couple of good moments, but like, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of hate recently, uh, especially like on the JLB survivors page about season nine. And I thought season nine was still really, really good.
3: Yeah. Um, I don't want to spoiler alert anything, but season nine pretty much occupies like the entire bottom of this of this list. That's a um, shame
2: because I thought there were some really really good moments in series nine.
3: Yeah, the the highest ranked series nine episode is at spot number forty five. Jeez. Out of fifty-four,
2: that's not great. <laughs> no, no. But, uh, you know, I mean, it, you know, the reviews are what they are. You take them with a grain of salt.
3: The number one, the number one rated episode is nine point one, and the bottom ranked episode is seven point six. So when you look at it as the if,
2: if the five is average,
3: the number fifty-four episode still got. You know, seventy-six out of a hundred points. So, I mean, that's a C. It's a high C. That's a passing grade.
2: Yeah, which is better than you can say. I mean, uh, I'll, even uh, some of the really great series over here. You know, even Breaking Bad. I can think of it, an episode or two that was just like, "Eh, like, why is this here?" Yeah. 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 But uh, without further ado, we'll uh, segue into our relatively new segment which is the peep show poetry corner
3: violets are blue roses are red the longer the note the more the dread
0: mm,
2: that is art i mean uh, just uh, the the emotion uh, this brought out by the dread <laughs> just wonderful uh okay so roses are red oh that's a bad miss i can promise you one thing it's not piss
3: is it a little masturbatory that i put my own in here
2: uh i don't think that that was yours
3: yeah that was mine
2: i know i think it's a good one i'm uh (laughs) given that that's a bad miss is from uh mitchell and weblook but uh I i have a feeling that most of our audience has probably seen that
3: yeah and then I probably should have saved this one for next week, but I fucking liked it, so I went ahead and went with it. <laughs> uh, roses are red. The secret ingredient is crime. Big beats are the best. Get high all the time. Mm.
2: Truly an ethos that we we should all live by.
3: Yeah. Yeah um anyways we're gonna go ahead and wrap up here but you know we are still looking for people to fill the following roles for our 2000 listen special which in case you didn't catch it last week our 2000 listen special we are going to be doing a basically a table read of the unreleased season three finale um sophie and mark in paris and we still need the following roles filled. We need a narrator. We need somebody to do Tony. Uh, we need to do somebody to do a character named Gerard. Um, this is different Gerard from who we later meet in the series. Um, Gerard has a wife named Isabel. We also need a role for her. And then uh, a home office official named Pete.
2: We've already filled the other roles for Mark, Jeremy, Sophie, Nancy, Johnson, Superhand, you know, most of the main characters. And despite being smaller roles, uh, Gerard and Isabel are really, really great uh, characters in this particular uh, script.
3: And uh, again, as we said, kind of towards the start of the show, next week we're going to have a special guest host. Uh, Lee is going to be taking a quick little... hiatus for one week to spend some time with his wife who's been gone for a while have fun next weekend lee Mm -hmm. so like i said we're gonna have special guest laura from london on the show i'm super pumped to get her on the show and and here um, i told her to pick an episode it just so happened that the episode that she picked just happened to coincide with the week that lee wanted to take a little break so you know everything worked out great there
2: absolutely uh, and uh just a reminder if you have a chance go to our facebook page give it a like and check out our patreon page for all the fun stuff there there's all kinds of different incentives and things for uh for supporting our podcast and uh you know helping support the uh, the investment in the equipment that we made so uh you know we hope you enjoy our content and uh, we want to keep producing it for you in the highest quality possible
3: yep and with that we are the l dude brothers and we'll see you next week with university challenge i am
2: in local parentis i am the last remaining contestant of
3: the apprentice i am the home trained dentist I- yeah yeah, 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 yeah.